Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. This is Trav. This is Jonathan. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of getting what you want or being nice and saint and, and taking no. No, you can't have the BFG to fight the goblins. And I don't mean the big female goblin with a rolling pin or the other type of BFG. I'm taking my ball and going home. That's right. Uh <laughs> <laughs> the BFG and it's Goblin. You know, I, I didn't see that coming. All right. Uh, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week we are talking about negotiating with your GM. Yes, she's a very nice person on the right day with the right words. And uh, you might actually get what you want. And uh, we're going to help you do that. So um, uh, uh, on the uh on the podcast this week, um, uh, we have Fur as as another special guest, um, and we're uh, welcoming her to throw in her uh, ten cents worth because of inflation, and uh, uh, because as a uh, uh, as as a mother, she knows all about negotiating with people who just don't want to take no for an answer. <laughs> You like that segue? That was pretty yeah. slick. Yeah. Golf clap. Yeah. Golf clap. <laughs> All right. So the first thing we're, we're going to talk about is setting the scene. Okay. Because you know you don't just you know walk. I mean, unless you're like I don't know, you know, superstar or whatever like that. You just will walk in and just slap your hand down and say, "Hey, babe, give this to me." <laughs> it doesn't work like that. You know, because if that was the case, you'd already have it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, so let's uh, let's talk about how you create an environment in which you can start to negotiate, because negotiations are things that require finesse and panache and uh, more than a little bit of preparation, uh, especially if you're going to make a big ask. And if you're not going to make a big ass, then really, why are you listening to this podcast episode? Because we're talking about the big asks here. Okay. So, um, uh, uh, Jonathan, uh, what's one of the things you can do to set the stage and make a more comfortable environment, you know, for doing the big ask? Bring the snacks. The snacks. Uh, we just had... We just had someone who was just talking about having to negotiate with somebody who was was hangry, was the term? Yeah. <laughs> Turf, why don't you explain that term, hangry? Well, you get hungry enough, you're angry, so hence hangry. Yes. Okay. I, so I believe that's what they would call a portmanteau, a type of word. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's always good if if the GM... Uh, and everybody, frankly, I mean, why, you know, is are not hungry when you're doing a negotiation. Okay. Now, I know that that's actually like one of those things they try to do, you know, uh, in order to get the the the, the uh, negotiation done. I've seen people say that, like, let's turn the temperature down. Let's, you know, let's not, you know, uh, 
let's not you know feed them until they finish you know they they get to the end of the negotiation these things create in my mind a hostile environment and people really don't want to you know and and if, and especially if you know you're being manipulated like that so yeah it might work on a one off yeah. but if this is a group and this is a gm you're going to be playing with every week or other week for potentially years yeah. you want to make you make them happy, not angry. And it's really a dad joke, right? You know, says, hey, dad, I'm hungry. Hi, <laughs> hungry. I'm dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nobody appreciates that joke. My kids certainly don't. <laughs> nope, nope. Okay, so yeah, you know, bring the snacks. You know, GMs love to receive tribute, okay? Uh, as a matter of fact, um, I was watching a movie which is called Game Master, Game Master, What Have You Done? which uh, is about a game master who needs a thir an extra player. So he summons a demon from hell to be a player at the table and makes the, and makes the uh, demon play a paladin. <laughs> <laughs> it's an excellent movie. It's, it's, it's independent. You know, I mean, I think, I think I bought it for 20 bucks because, you know, anyways, uh, it's, it's, it, they actually had a sequel to it. I think I've heard of it, but I do need to see it. <laughs> but, I haven't uh, seen it, it yet. It's it's really good. Uh, but the point here was is that so his the players come in to the session and they've got two liter bottles of pop they put down on the table, chips, all these things. And the GM just sitting there rubbing his hands, you know, and going and then uh, and then and they look over at the the new player, which, by the way, is a puppet. Because, you know, they didn't have the money for a real demon special effect. So yeah. they used a puppet instead. Okay. And the, and he's just sitting there and they go, Game Master, the new player's not playing right. Teach him. <laughs> so, well, okay. So the point is, is that, you know, uh, this isn't a one-off thing. Okay. I mean, you, you, you need to, you know, you need to basically, you know, create a, warm comfortable space you know oh, in no. which i i explain to and i'm explaining this now to my new co-workers because one of them a uh, young man by the name of jake is in my new saturday game and so i guess the players had been involved in a game before for they said a minute where like one or two sessions it was done so my boss knows of it he calls it oh you run your tournaments again this weekend so I'm explaining, no, we GMs eat very well, and I've had more than a few foodies in my groups. I mean, I've had dishes like, what was it, the chocolate raspberry brownie bars and stew beef chili and chicken corn chowder. They're bringing in crockpots of this stuff for the, and yeah. And then I've got, you know, one lady on my Friday game, she'll go to like a local market and bring a thing of soup, or I've gotten uh, Mexico City-style quesadillas. Uh, raspberry mead, she'll make gin and tonic. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I you know, I'm looking at my boss. Going, you understand, we GMs eat very well. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I obviously am, uh, am not on your food menu because that, that's that doesn't happen. <laughs> it hasn't been my games. It's uh, like, I, yeah. So I'm not uh, asking for it. I'm more surprised a lot. I'm amazed to hear all this, but yeah, but I'm saying is that smart players do that. Okay. Yeah. Players who want to get what they want. Butter up the GM. They basically, you know, literally bring foodstuffs, cookies, whatever, especially things that the GM likes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, 
you know, chocolate, you know, and I don't, I don't want to genderize this, but, you know, chocolate, you know, is usually very good, you know, if your GM is female and beer, if your GM is male, but it doesn't have to be that way. I've seen it just the reverse, you know, so in other words, play, you know, understand your GM, know your GM, actually be friends with your GM. Okay. <laughs> no, it's yeah. not be that person who basically does all the work and you show up and play in their game. Okay. Because that's not built, you know, if you're their friend, then they're going to be more willing to, you know, do stuff for you. But yeah, yeah. And, um, Jeff, you know, uh, Jeff to rep on my show, uh, uh, Pixie's Baby Daddy. Um, yeah, he's hosting at his place now. He made us chicken tetrazzini, and just it was great. And we'll sit there. We have you know a glass of wine with it, and you know cooked up some garlic bread, and we're running a game and eating it. Yeah, it's great. So, folks, I mean. Yeah, chips and pop are fine, but if there's a time you can have a meal during it, I mean, a real full, it only adds to the experience. Right, right. So, like I said, so yeah, so you're in, you, if you're in an environment where everyone's getting fed, everyone's getting a drink, you know, uh, everyone's comfortable, you know, the temperature in the room is good, you know, everything else, then, you know, it's going to be a more conducive situation for negotiation uh, rather than, you know, and, um, you know, and, and think and things that, and avoiding distractions, you know, like, yeah. you know, uh, and, uh, but uh, uh, we're, we're not talking about the players just where we're, we're, you know, we are, we are segueing over to the players at this point uh, and uh, talking about being prepared. Okay, and uh, and I mean prepared for the game, uh, not for what you want to get. So uh, things like making sure you have all the books with you, uh, yep. make sure you have an updated character sheet, make sure that you have your dice, uh, you know, make sure that you know what you know what it is that you're going to be doing. And a lot of times that means taking good notes from the last session so that when you start, it's not we don't spend another hour saying, well, this is what you're doing. Well, that's not how I remember it. <laughs> the GM's going to be like, well, that's how I'm playing it. So, oh, no. When when Pixie was in the campaigns full time, she had a notebook for each campaign I was running and took pretty damn good notes. I was surprised and because I run four campaigns, folks. You know, again, the biweekly Thursday and Saturday games and then the alternating week Friday and Sunday. I'm running four campaigns. I start to forget stuff. I got to sit there and, you know, on Facebook, Mr. what do we do last session again? You know, and, you know, with the Maze World game, you know, I'm running at with Perky God. So, I, you know, at least she's kind of like a co-GM. So that works. But other than that, I'm, you know, I'm to ask Fur or Will or Carrie or whatever. And I was like, oh, God, what do we do? It's two weeks ago. I've been busy. Oh, yeah, we were running that adventure. Yeah. Yeah. So no taking is, is if a they're in multiple campaigns, you know, they're they're getting bleed over from those other campaigns into their memories of the each other. So yeah. That, yeah, yeah, that's happened. Yeah, they're like, oh crap, I don't remember. Which game is it? The Thursday game? Yeah. Yeah. I still remember my player in the middle of the, the game we're doing under the under the sea, saying like, okay, so what what were we doing with Santa Claus last week? <laughs> We all just looked at him. And, I mean, it just said, what? <laughs> it wasn't anything even close to that, like Santa Claus. Where where did you get Santa Claus? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's just where I thought we had Santa Claus. So, you know. 
he wants. And it was that, I don't know what to get. I don't know. Yeah, 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 right. So anyways, okay, so be prepared, right? You know, the GM, if the GM sees that you're prepared for the game, that you, 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 you've read the, you've read the books, okay? You've read the, the resource material and such, you kept good notes. Then when you ask for something, the GM feels, you know, well, has at least a sense that you might ask for something that would fit well within the game that he's trying, he or she is trying to run. So that helps, you know, it it builds respect between the player and the GM. Right. You know, and, and of course, you know, uh, okay. So, uh, and uh, Jonathan, what's something else that you could do to help set the mood? Kind of along the same lines of being prepared is actually showing an interest in the storyline that the GM is running you through. Okay. If, you know, you're six uh, adventures into a campaign and then you suddenly start paying attention and like, wait a minute, who's the bad guy? Who are we fighting? What, why are we doing all this again? Why does everyone hate <laughs> us? Wait, what do you mean we're wanted in three cities? <laughs> so, yeah, just uh, keeping up, yeah, following along with the story, even even if it's not necessarily one you in particular are interested in, if you at least give it a shot and pay attention and not just right. well, focus it, on your own character yeah. the whole time. Right. Unless this is a a, a really player driven um, campaign, uh, usually the GM is the one who's bringing the plot. So that means that the GM's put a lot of, has probably put a lot of effort into this plot. And so when you show an interest in the story, again, you're showing respect. You know, it's showing that you're engaged. You understand how anything you may say or do might affect the story, and will build. Um, Trust, build trust into the relationship so that when you do ask for something, the GM's not going to be immediately suspicious that you're basically trying to torpedo uh, her carefully crafted adventure. Oh, no, I have had players that, and we've all had them, it's, and, and folks, there. if you've been game mastering long enough or if you've been playing in a group long enough, there are certain types of players that are there. And one of them is the guy who's kind of just there to be there. And so... I just hear roll dice. Yeah, he, he... Yeah, no, no, we... There's someone I just mentioned who is like that. I'm glad he's in the group. But yeah, you kind of got to poke him to really get him going. And so showing an interest, yeah, usually I'll, I'll have to bring up something that involves that particular player. And then, okay, they get going. But... Yeah, if it's not really them, then they're just sort of there. If if I'm like, you know, as the base commander talking to the other players or everybody at once. But if Commander Holt is not talking to Lieutenant Papakis one-on-one, yeah, the player kind of gets just real quiet. And yeah, that that's, it's not to the point where I'm going to have to talk to him about it, but I've noticed it. And yeah, being a part of the conversation just because the, 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 the GM NPC is not talking to you at the moment, it's still just nice to show that, you know, I don't I don't want to have to, excuse me, do the, okay, real quick, what did he just say? And just have the player, because uh, um, uh, yeah. that's kind of rude and you're putting a bad spotlight on the player. You know, it's kind of the public humiliation thing. You don't want to do that. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it's... With the the you have those type of players in every group that they're just sort of there, and unless they're being interacted with one hundred percent with them at the time, yeah, it seems like they're not interested. And I, there, there's a type of name for that player, and I forget what it was. 
and just, and where I read it. But yeah, Dis we all know that there's certain disengaged. Types of okay, that'll work. I like that term. Yeah, disengaged. Yeah. Where yeah, unless you are dealing with them specifically, they're just. Uh, and I and I do find it is a little rude. Yeah. It, okay. It, it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's not it's, very it's very frustrating for me as a, as a GM when I I basically sit there and I spend five minutes giving exposition, telling everybody what's going on, who the players are, stuff like that. And then I turn to a player and I say, okay, what do you do? And he says, um, could you tell me again what you just said? Because I wasn't listening. Yeah. I've literally had those words come at me. And I'm like, like, oh, would someone else please do that? Because I'm kind of busy. I need to step like, outside the room for a while. Yeah, yeah I, well, it's just more like I got to like I got some stuff here to play and out here, you know. So uh, <laughs> would someone else please bring them up to speed? And then, of course, if nobody else could do that, that means nobody was paying any attention. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's 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 not a that's that's, that's a hostile environment for negotiating. You don't right. want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Down. Yeah, that's enough. Well, no, because then you get to, you know, in your mind, you're like the, and we all know the type, and I do this voice every so often, you know, the histrionic, attention-seeking 50s housewife. I slave over hot modules all day, and this is the thanks I get, you know, because they're not listening and paying attention, you know. Yeah. I hear that all the time, honey. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. I do slave over hot laptop and PDFs all day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like sometimes that is warranted. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. If, if, the entire, if the entire room can't, you know, get this one player up to speed, yeah, it's like, okay, I just spent 10 minutes talking. and thanks. Yeah, I, sh I should have recorded it so I could just play it back. <laughs> <laughs> Here, let me roll this back. Let me stop the recording. You know, let me roll this back five minutes. Okay, hit play. There. I'm going to go hit the bathroom. Go write some stuff down, folks. Yeah. Anyways, um, but, you know... Uh, uh, and it's one of the things I think is, is important as far as like taking an interest in the story is interacting favorably with NPCs, because we all know that the NPCs in any GM story are basically their sock puppets. They're, you know, they're basically, you know, what for them, you know, it's basically themselves in the story. You know, not always exactly. L. Maybe it's a a piece of them. Maybe it's something an interest that they have. But you know, when you show respect and and interact with NPCs, the GM feels like their whatever creativity there was is uh, is being uh, acknowledged, and it's fun for the GM. And if it's fun for the GM, the GM is going to be favorable to things that might come out of that conversation. I, I noticed one time that, you know, hers in the Thursday and Saturday games I run, and she said just flat out, when she's sitting across the table for me, like probably a month or half ago now, you perform. Yeah, he and does. I, and I thought about it, I'm like, well, yeah, if I'm there being an NPC or, a, you know, intelligent monster, if I'm doing a dragon, yeah, it is. We GMs perform. Mm -hmm. And so... Playing off the the player and character's reactions, I, I do kind of, you know, get a bit of the jazz with that just because I'm like, oh, I'm playing this dragon and, you know, this player across the table is coming back at me, you know, oh, it's the frightful presence. And you're, you're like, OK, Mr. Dragon, we didn't mean to step in your lair and they get into character. It's a good feeling. It shows that, you know, me taking on this persona for the sake of the game, it's paid off. Uh, interacting favorably with the 
with the NPCs. And I like the example here. Compliment on the shop, equipment, or give the GM an opportunity to tell of an NPC's great deed. Yeah, because in the end, the first part, compliment on the shop, the equipment, well, that'll give, because, I mean, what person running a business doesn't want to hear about, well, the floors are really nice, or I like how you design, you know, the shelf over here. They're going to be more, what's the word, amenable to the player character's wishes to get that sword that, yeah, I got, you know, some good stuff in the back room. Let me go get it. Right. And give the GM the opportunity to tell of an NPC's great deed. Well, that's that's exposition. That information nine times out of ten is going to come back for the players to deal with later. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, doing that type of stuff, noticing the things. And again, this is the players paying attention to because if the GM describes, oh, yes, you see all the swords hanging on the wall in matter from shortest to longest. And over here, there's maces and whatnot. And if a player in character says, I like the way you set up your weapons, good, sir. That's going to help with interaction with that weapons expert, that weapons dealer down the line. They know they can go back to this guy because, oh, I like these characters. They they know the style of a good businessman when they see one, you know. Mm-hmm. And this yeah. guy would also serve as an SME later on because, oh, this guy knows his weapons. Look how he designed his shop. And, you know, oh, this is a plus five Holy Avenger held by this particular paladin. You know, you get information out of him later. Yeah. Right. Like the name of the paladin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Anytime you can help the GM flesh out a world, they're going to be happier because you're taking a little bit of work off their shoulders. Right, well, especially if you add information. You know, if your GM's the kind of GM that allows you to add details, as you know, as long as it doesn't like change the situation, you're doing the GM's work. Oh they yeah, like I, that. Yeah, I I told the the boss that calls my games and said that you know Jake's in the Saturday one, my coworker. Oh, your tournaments, and I tell him. It's collaborative storytelling. Yeah, I set the mood with, okay, your characters are doing this, and then the players feed back with their reactions to all that. And we are. We're six, eight of us together telling a story of these people and what they go through. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Because I guess when my job had their campaign for a hot minute the last time, they didn't explain it all that well. And so once I did like that, he said, oh, okay, I'm starting to understand now. So now it's the point, you know, I come in Monday morning. So did you kill off Jake's character yet? No. <laughs> Give it time. This is, you got to build this up. False sense of security. Oh, hey, Jake, how you doing? He just punched it. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I'm, I'm so using that line with him Monday, after the, next Monday after the game. Yeah. Do it. All right. Okay. So, you know, in other words, what I, what, what if we were to sum this up, Basically, we're saying give the GM a reason to treat you favorably and want to give you what you want. It's all about, you know, setting the stage. It's all about, you know, uh, uh, working the relationship. And, you know, uh, it, don't think of it as, as being manipulative. I mean, if you do it the right way, you're going to end up with a friend. And that benefits everybody. That, oh, can, yeah. you know, that, that help you know, I mean, if you're a real friend to them, they, you know, they're more likely to be a real friend to you. So, all right. And then uh, moving on to the next thing is pretty straightforward. Be polite. Nobody likes a whiner. Yeah, nobody wants to hear. Well, if I just had this sword, it would be, why can't I have the sword yet? My kid, I, I, I'm, I, well, especially you just mentioned, I'm a paladin. I'm fifth level. I'm supposed to have a, a holy avenger. Where's my holy avenger? 
I think I can honestly say I've never had anybody in my campaign, again, 30 years of game mastering, that has actually gotten that bad. I have. I think I may have had one, you know, kind of quiet pouting in their chair. They didn't last long. Because of other issues, they just sort of, you know, got, uh, yeah, this ain't working out. But I've never had anyone get that bad in all the time I've been around. Well, I mean, you know, we're we're speaking to everybody's experience. I'm glad you you had that good experience. Yeah, but I yeah. mean, there's lots of people out there that say, you know, I'm playing, you know, uh, I'm a, playing a wizard. So, you know, where's my uh, uh, where's where's my pointy hat? Where's my robe of the wizard? You know, and we all know the, uh, the arch wizard and such. You know, or uh, well, look, I mean, uh, you know, the, the, you know, we're we're in a military establishment base. You know, why aren't they giving us like you know smart weapons and things like that? We're like, are you part of their military? No. Why would they give you anything? Because we're the good well, guys. Because because <laughs> we're the good guys. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like looking at him, going, you have not asked for anything. All you've done is say. You know, we bring you news of a great evil that has come upon you. Be thankful to us. <laughs> we're like, and they're all going, say what? What are you talking about? I haven't heard anything about a great evil. Who are you? <laughs> you know, Hi, son, I don't know you from Adam. What you want? Yeah, what? Why would I give you anything? You know, or what's you the know? term I use with fur? I don't. I wouldn't know you if I tripped over you in a crowd of one. Yeah, <laughs> right. But I mean, you know, in Every campaign, unless it's, you know, usually has some sense of scarcity in it. Okay, so, you know, the best items are normally going to be uh, kept for the most powerful NBCs. The people that are the most, have done the most for the kingdom. The the people that will be the most effective at doing whatever it is that needs to be done. All right? You, You can't just, you know, assume that the GM is, you know, and the GM's NPCs are going to see you that way because you've got a big P glowing over your head. <laughs> okay. You know, it's, uh, you, you've got to make yourselves that person. You know, you've got to present yourselves. You know, you, you've got to, you know, um, show your value. Uh, uh, show your, uh, yes, show your value. Uh, and then the GM might say, well, okay, uh, maybe, you know, maybe we'll send you off on a minor quest and, and, uh, and see what, whether you got the, the stuff. But no, we're not going to give you the, uh, you know, the alien artifacts. You know, or, you, know you get the uh, noisy cricket. You don't get the <laughs> other thing, you know. Uh, you know, that's what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, this isn't Doctor Who where everybody <laughs> just suddenly listens to whatever you- the, the hero says yeah yeah and his weapon of choice is a is, is a is a is a stick a little stick that whirs <laughs> <laughs> oh you're gonna yeah what are you gonna do put it put together a cabinet for me yeah right yeah um, yeah so uh exactly it's you know i i remember the first when those first came out i was like yeah wow this is so cool man he, he has a battery in it you just press the button and you don't have to turn your wrist it's great because you know after you after you've done like the 15th bracket on a set of shells, your wrists are getting sore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Anyways, um, all right. But like I say, be polite. You know, ask politely. Uh, you know, don't don't interrupt, you know, in the middle of the uh, the GM's uh, 
you know, big soliloquy, you know, and say, oh, and by the way, can we have this? <laughs> yeah. Now I'm reminded of the frantics bit with Ed Gruberman. He's uh, uh, interrupting meditation. <laughs> oh, oh, when do we get to beat people up? Yeah. Yeah. yeah right, boot right. to the head. <laughs> yep, yeah. There you go. Good man. Yeah. You know elves. <laughs> yeah, you're you're there at the cockpit of elves. Elves. Oh, I, you're, someone's playing a dwarf. Oh, elves. I hate elves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even in Lord of the Rings, Gimli's you know warmed up to. Uh, uh, to the elves pretty quickly, especially yeah. after he met Galadriel. It was like, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Uh, I'm not gonna look at her. She'll ensorcel me, and she did. <laughs> Fair enough. But but only for being just the you know the the, the lady of grace that she was. Um, but anyways, it's uh, all right. So uh, nobody likes a whiner, you know. So don't you know you know make make you know speak to the GM like you're an adult. You know, and uh, and the GM will probably, pro you know, will will probably listen to you. All right. So, uh, so if you, it, so once you get to the situation where you're actually going to ask for something, okay, uh, what sort of, you know, and and it doesn't have to be a thing, by the way. Okay, I, I know where I'm. We're, we're kind of using the metaphor of a thing, but it could also be like, you know, I wanted to have a title. I want to uh, be uh, promoted, or I want a job doing something, or I want a license to do something. You know, I want the right to do, you know, uh, whatever, you know, um, mine asteroids in the forbidden sector, or uh, I want to, you know, there's, there's a lot of things you might want to do rather than just get in, as far as like an object. Uh, so don't forget about those. Uh, but just, just to make it simpler, we're talking about like asking for something that you might personally want for your character. So, um, anyways, Jonathan, um, you know, when you want something, I mean, should should it be anything? No, you need to stick with what fits within the world, what fits within the campaign. If you're playing, you know, medieval sword and sorcery like Dungeons and Dragons, don't ask for the BFG nine thousand. Don't ask for the lightsaber. Well, actually, according to some rules, you might be able to make your own, but yeah. <laughs> but I can't tell you how many times people have wanted to play lightsabers in my in in, in fantasy games. It's just it's just like it's a magic what it's just like a magic weapon. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, which has no basis in this campaign whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> or you're playing, you know, a Buck Rogers, and someone wants to show up with a lightsaber. It's like you know. <laughs> Jedi powers. I'm like, yeah. Uh... Now, I, I admit, I did it on purpose. Uh, when I'm running my uh, Fringeworthy team game, one of the one of the characters, who's a Dezeal, which is a lizard-like race, he claims to be a Jedi. He's 60 years old. He's got a big staff, or actually it's a spear that he electrifies, okay? And he swings it around just like, you know, he's seen in the movies, you know? And uh, he claims to be following the Jedi code and the and the ethics and all that stuff, you know, just waiting for the force to kick in, right? <laughs> and I and I'm doing it because he's obnoxious. All right, it's intentional. Okay, it's, it's it's almost an object lesson of not on what not to try to may have your character do. <laughs> so now, he's walking around like Donnie Yen's character in Rogue One. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Am the force. The force is with me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, you yeah. betcha. You know, and. Uh, 
and there are none so blind as those who will not see. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, he's 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 uh, he, he cheeses off the other players because as a Jedi, of course, he's not worried about anything bad happening. The Force will warn him, so he literally runs into dangerous situations as if nothing bad could ever happen to him. So th is this an NPC you're running for comedic relief, or is yes. a player doing this? Well, I, I was doing that, and then uh, somebody, one, of the, one of the players wanted to play one of the NPCs I was running, and I let that player do that. But it's not this particular one. This one I'm still running. You know? Oh, okay. But yes, I, you know, and, and unfortunately, the person who's supposed to be looking after this one is, is the player that's disengaged. So he's, ah. literally, he's literally oh. running around doing whatever the hell he wants and um, cheesing off a lot of the other players. I'm like, well, someone should stop him then. You know, maybe as you some turn and look as you turn and look to the player of the caretaker. Yes. Yeah, somebody should stop him. And they're yeah. like, oh, me. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, what? <laughs> he's the same character that, that asked me after I. I I said something for five minutes what I was talking about. So, you know, oh. is, you know, like I said, it's a disengaged player. So, I, uh, it, but believe me, the other player characters are just as troublesome, which is the point. They're all they're they're trying to run, run not roughshod. They're trying to like you know run on, uh, control these sixteen year old kids who have grown up being told that they are the future of of the uh, of the Commonwealth. Because you know they're the new fringeworthy explorers, and yep. they're going to do great deeds, and their their countries are all behind them, and and they're you know and they have all the all the money, all the support they could possibly want, you know. And then you got these player characters saying, "No, you can't do that. No, that's not a good idea." And they're like, "Oh, really? I, I'll just sit here and do nothing. Then is that okay?" Yeah, and they're all like, "Sure, sure." And that's and that's of course when they pull out their controller and launch their drones and the drones start doing stuff while they're sitting there. I'm not moving. I'm right here. What are you talking about? <laughs> because what, because, you know, I, I play them, you know, they're 16. I'm playing them like they're three years old. Okay. Where they have nothing to do all day long, except get their own way. So, yeah, wow. but that's a, that's a tangent. You know, I, I'm doing it for comic relief. I'm doing it to test the players, you know, and see what they'll do. And, um, for the characters that don't have kids, this has been a real challenge because <laughs> they don't, they don't like, what do I do with them? I don't know what to do with them. I said, well, you know, you might be their friends. You might talk to them, might see what it is they want to do and maybe give them something that they're interested to do. Things like that. Anyway, but again, that's, that's, that's a, that's not our topic. Uh, all right. Yeah. So yeah. Ask for something that belongs in the game. Ask for something that's appropriate, something that will actually enhance the overall mystique, if I may use that term, uh, of the uh, of the game that you're playing, right? Yeah, yeah, because you don't want to you don't want to put the GM in that situation where they have to look at you like you just you know spoke Swahili out of nowhere. You know, mm -hmm. ask for something that's going to make sense. Right. Let me give you another example. I had a player who we're we're playing a four color uh, superhero game. Okay, so it's, it's, it's how superheroes used to be, not, not since the Dark Knight came out, you know, where, you know, you, you didn't kill, you, you, you fought, you basically beat people up and defeated them and took them out and, put, you know, put, locked them up, you know, and things like that. And maybe you, were, uh, you actually turned them against their masters by being good examples. Right. 
Yeah. Right? Like old, okay, like you know, golden age uh, comics type heroes. Yeah, I was thinking right. golden age, yeah. You know, there's, uh, I just saw a meme on Facebook recently where you know, it has Batman. He's throwing a pistol away. He says, these are the weapons of our enemy. We don't need them. We don't use them. <laughs> and, uh, and which to me is like total Batman. You know the the Batman oh, yeah. that I that I like. You know. Anyways, uh, the point is, is that we had a player character who says, "Oh, okay, I'm going to be like a sniper. <laughs> uh, I want like a 50 caliber Beretta. You know, I could shoot somebody from two miles away. You know, optical sights, stabilized, and of course, my bullets do like 15 bodies. We were playing champions, which you know everybody you know uh, has tons and tons of uh, of stun. Points that they, they that you basically you hit them with with uh, energy attacks and punches and things like that and it knocks those down but doesn't do very much body okay this is a this is the thing that only does killing attacks killing attack yeah 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 right and it, it's it's completely the opposite of, of of the tone of the game but this guy wanted to be a sniper and so he wanted this Beretta 50 caliber I said I let him have the pistol okay which which you know did still do damage like that, but you know it 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 was more likely to do around maybe uh, uh, five or six body, yeah. where most usually you might do one or two body in an attack. Okay, and that you know to scare the opponents so they might give up. Hey man, I'm really getting hurt here. I'm bleeding. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I give up. I don't want to die. You know. Oh no! And, no no! I I hearing this situation, the guy that wanted. Yeah, I want this gun that doesn't kill me to make it rubber bullets where it's still, yeah, just safe. Oh, he didn't want that. He wanted it to do a killing attack because he read he read the rules. He saw that, you know, you what you do, you know, that not only does it do that, okay, but it also, you know, whatever you roll, that that killing modifier, you multiply your stun by that. So yeah, he so could also do like 200 points of stun yep. where everybody else is doing 40 and 50 points of stun per attack. Oh, no, so I was, remember champions from back in the day. Yeah, right. I think the last edition I played was fifth edition. They still had that rule. Yeah. Right, oh, right. Yeah, so, so he was trying to create an uber character, okay, that was essentially going to kill the NPCs. Some, you know, a lot of the NPCs that they needed to talk to. So, yeah, it was really inappropriate. And, uh, you know, and, and I, I ended up having to nerf him because... Yeah, it, that, that's what I would have done was just like, oh, do you get this big gun? Fine. Yeah, we're out of these bullets. We got the rubber bullets. I mean, they'll still hurt like the Dickens, but yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I basically told him is that you can't, uh, you can't, you can't get a gun like that with, uh, uh, with building points. You're going to have to purchase it. This yeah. It's going to cost you $20,000 or something ridiculous. Yeah. And each shell is going to cost you $25. You got that kind of money? Well, they should be paying us. I says, no, you know, you, you work for a not-for-profit corporation. They just basically pay your expenses. Everybody else gets their gear back at the end of every adventure because it was built, kept, it came up with building points. But, yeah. You, you know, and he, because uh, I was, I was intentionally trying to nerf it because it was inappropriate. Yeah. And we had other players who were saying, dude, you know, that's not the kind of game we're playing here. We're supposed to be heroes, not assassins. Yeah. This isn't yeah. Watchmen. So, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're not. You're, this you're is not, super friends, not Watchmen. Yeah, yeah, you're not. You're not the uh, comedian. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. 
that that was a situation where he was asked this player was asking for something really inappropriate to uh to you know to the game so yeah uh do uh, you guys have any other examples you want to bring up like this well um i i have a player in particular she is a fantastic gamer there are a lot of times that she and i trade you know pdfs that we have for because of rules Problem is, this woman knows how to use these rules too well. So it translates out to, yeah, I've made this weapon doing this and this and this. Can I have it? And I got to sit there and read the rules and make sure that she's not going to, and Fur's laughing because she knows exactly who in the hell I'm talking about. I love this woman dearly. She's a great player, smart, funny. It's just she does this. I have had three gamers leave my group because they don't want to game with her anymore, because uh, we have many terms that we use for this type of gamer. I mean, they're all de- min-maxer, power gamer, mm-hmm. munchkin, yeah. And so I have to sit there and dig through, okay, what, and I will tell, okay, what PDFs or books did you use to make this? I have to read it, I have to put it together, and 99 times out of 100, I'm like, oh, hell no. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you can't have this this early you can't have this, excuse me, until, you know, you gain about five more levels. There's um, the, the Starfinder game, you know, Pathfinder in space. It's got a somewhat different rules. And they have a really good tactic for this. You generate your average party level, which is, okay, if everybody's fifth level, you have five gamers, they're all fifth level, that's really easy. You have an APL of five. And a rule that they put in Starfinder, which I'm glad that they did, was... Okay, in normal towns, you get your APL, and because they have everything, equipment, weapons, armor, and they give it a level. The higher the level, the higher the tech level, and the more powerful it is. So it's a built-in mechanic where you're first level and you're not going to be getting the BFG. And so it's if you're just at like, oh, you're in some rinky-dink planet-side town, you get APL plus one level. So if you're all fifth level the highest you can get in this little rinky-dink town is a level six weapon. Mm-hmm. You get plus two if you're in like, oh, I'm in the major spaceport like Babylon 5. You might be able to get a PL7 weapon if you're a fifth level character. Mm-hmm. Not a PL, but level seven. That's a good built-in mechanic to keep players from asking for things that don't fit in the game like beyond your power level. Mm-hmm. And I've started to reverse engineer that into the Pathfinder game. So, okay, they want this weapon, and okay, look in this book. It's, oh, no, that's a level 20. They're fifth. No, that's not happening. Right. But, yeah. So, it, it, it could be – uh, I was talking about things that were out of uh, milieu for the game. You're talking about things that's inappropriately more too powerful. Power level. Okay, yeah. Um, well, yeah, that that's all depends on your setting. Yeah, you use the perfect, don't ask for a blaster in a sword and sorcery game unless the GM has introduced similar tech. Yeah, and you get, and I have gotten actually the players who they are weapons buffs or they are gun nuts or they are tech guys. And so they will sit there and, I mean, they may be quiet for the game, but they build up their argument via IM for the next game. Well, in 1965, this weapon was shown using this technology that you have, the air, whatever, you know, arbitrary date. And I'm just like, this son of a... 
<laughs> and, and so yeah yeah well because this is their hobby they know this mm -hmm. and so they go and say well if you're running a 1500s game gunpowder came out on this date therefore this gun could be feasible i have the money i'm willing to pay someone to make it for me i'm like no no i have a reason why there's no gunpowder so i've had to deal with that having a flintlock in a game where crossbows are the most technologically advanced weapons mm -hmm. Yeah. And usually it's because I got the guy who will research it and bring, and I love my verisimilitude in a game, but it's, if I didn't put something in a game, I often have a reason. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So just, yeah. Yeah. I, I ran into that kind of situation in my uh, Fringeworthy game where they went to uh, Corinth and, ah, uh, yes. and, and, and none of their guns worked because, you know, firearms don't work there. Yep. And uh, because the gods said no. <laughs> and the uh, uh, and but then I, I started slipping information that, you know, they heard that you're hearing stories that there were these gnomes, you know, that seemingly had something like at least flitlocks or things like that. So they had to have something like gunpowder and it was working. The gods apparently weren't mad about that. Uh, yes, the. The mad gnomes uh, or the tinker gnomes of Mount Nevermind, yes. Exactly. And, and yep. did the players say, oh, we need to go there and find out what they're doing so we can have that resource available to us? No. They just said, why can't we, you know, it, why can't we have guns? They've got it. Why can't I? Yeah. You know, I, I'm, you know doesn't, doesn't that playtext effect mean that I can still use a gun for 18 hours after I come onto the fringe pass? Off the French pass onto the world, and you're just like, <laughs> no, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, maybe, but uh, you know, that's 18 hours. And secondly, you know, is it is it the 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 universe doesn't support it, or do the gods basically say it ain't happening? So it's you know, it's not re the reality. Maybe it might be you know something else. You know, yeah. literally a, a a godly edict is will will come crashing down on you. Or just let it work. So, right. Uh, so the the point is, is that you know it might be actually appropriate, but you might need to, uh, you know, you you might need to do something. You might have to make a big effort in order to get it. So you know, it's uh, uh, you know, that's that's going to be something you're going to have to think about. You know, th you know, think about what it's going to cost you in order to get this object. Okay, and we're uh, and and that's a little ahead of us right now. So let me go back and say, you know, when you ask for something, you know, you might want to ask the other player characters whether they think it's a good idea, because it might be they're like, you know, like say in my my champions game, the rest of the players didn't want that assassin guy in the, in the party. They they all were playing four color superheroes, you know, with with superhero type names, you know, uh, and uh, you know. They don't want this guy who's basically walk, you know, walk, you know, walking around like Cable, okay, in the X Men. Yeah. You know, you got all these guys firing beams out of their head. You know, blue guy flipping over, throwing people against walls. Someone controlling people's minds, and then you got this guy with a big honking gun, <laughs> Cable, who's going to be now the leader of the New Mutants. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, when I read that in the comic book, I was like. What? Why they don't need this guy? This well, is a no, bad. This thing. is a bad guy. These are the guys they put down. Yeah, you're yeah. sitting there seeing, you know, the 
the one guy that, and, and of course the old Sesame Street, Sesame Street song, one of these things is not like the other. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 What? Yeah. <laughs> right. So you want to ask for something that's going to, so, you know, the, the smart thing to do is ask for something that will enhance the world while also enhancing your character or the party in general. Okay. You know, ask for something that'll fit. Okay, don't try to make it fit. Well, yeah, you have like, okay, I want this fusion reactor that will power my suit. Well, what about all the other people on this planet who are dealing with fossil fuels and whatnot? Wouldn't they wouldn't it be nice to have clean limitless energy by having cold fusion reactors put in every city? Well, I um uh and they're like, yeah, yeah. And I notice that that's a problem in a lot of comic books is yeah, you have all these characters that have all this incredible tech and they have the money to give it to the rest of the world and everybody is still running around in gasoline-powered cars and all this. And I, I often found that to be a disparity in a lot of comic book worlds. You have these people who could change the whole basis of the world and upgrade everybody's technology and standard of living and they're using it to, you know, basically power a, a, a metal suit. Right, but it's their edge, right? You know, they don't want to give it to everybody else because then they lose their edge. Yeah, and, but I mean, it, it you know it's something full well that if applied correctly or even change it so, okay, you keep the armor aspect, excuse me, the armor aspect quiet, but yeah, fusion reactor that could power New York for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Clean yeah. up pollution and all that. Yeah, and it just I, I always had a kind of an issue with that. Right. Uh, one of my players in Fringeworthy, he has a steam-powered uh, mech. Yeah. All right, because he came from a world that was like based in the 1930s, and and it's from an anime uh, yeah. called uh, Sakura something, and uh, and their steam power is you know is before the you know the and and uh, normally they would use coal and things like that or fuel oil whatever to run a boiler that would make it work using hydraulics. Okay, which means he can use it on the freaking fringe pass. Yep. All right. Does he ever use it on the fringe pass? I'm going to go with no, Alex. Oh. Yes. No. <laughs> no for $150. No, he doesn't. Okay. So I basically told him, I said, look, they have given you, you know, you have that as a backup. Okay. But, you know, they, uh, but you also have a, you know, tokamak generator, you know, inside your suit you know, uh, that will provide you with, you know, un unlimited amount of energy once you actually get off the French pass and, and fusion can start happening again. You know, uh, he says, but in the meantime, you can do some stuff. You can't fly with the, uh, 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 well, you could fly once <laughs> with, with your uh, steam powered, okay, and, and then you'd be out of steam. <laughs> uh, but you can walk around and you go through the portal and you can be all armored up and all that good stuff because that's what you have. And, you know, it's like, you know, I'm like, why does he ever use it? You know, I'm sure they think I'm going to nerf it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're seeing that you're going to do something and it's like, okay. And then they're resentful toward you. And it's like, okay, I have this device. And he's going to never, it's like, why did you get this device if you're, if that's all you're thinking, that, that, that ends up making the adversarial relationship between players and GM that right. we hear on this podcast or against. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He, ha he has it because it's part of his character concept. 
but I always get the feeling like he just doesn't, you know, it, it just isn't a good fit for him because, you know, he's a lot happier outside of the suit running around using his sword. It's but, bragging rights. I yeah. have this suit. I have, a fl- I have a giant robot. Yeah, look at he's, me. He's yeah. the only person who has do a giant robot. Do you have robot. a giant robot? No? I didn't think so. So you were going to do what I said. Yeah. <laughs> Just go sit over there. Yeah. I mean, you'd think the giant robot would be everywhere, right? When we're with these six kids, right? No. Giant robot's still sitting back at the at the at the at the fridge portal. <laughs> that's just asking for it to be stolen. Actually, that's oh, not true. Yeah. He actually did get he did get it. He he turned it on. He used it to fly over top of them when they were crossing this lake full of uh, uh, prehistoric monsters, and he was going to give support while he was in the air. So he did do that. But ever since it's landed, you know, he got to the other side, this island. He's landed it. He hasn't used it since. So I'm like, okay, great, you know. So uh, uh, even when, like, you know, two of the characters got abducted by giant uh, 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 dinosaurs, does he say, okay, wait a second, let me go get my giant robot suit, because if I run into giant robots, then, I mean, giant giant dinosaurs, I'll be equivalency, right? No, doesn't do that. So don't, you know, so when you when a GM gives you something that you ask for and then you don't use it, <laughs> Okay. <laughs> they don't want to give you what you want ever again because you know they probably were thinking twice about doing it in the first place because you were asking a big ass. They right? probably have like campaign right. ideas and plot, you know, devices ready to go to deal with it, and now you've thrown it all away. At least fifteen people who want to steal that giant robot. Yeah. So yeah. Thanks for listening. We hope you do that. Uh, if you have any great stories about how you were able to negotiate a really super item or a quest or a boon from your GM, feel free to add that, you know, to post those in our Facebook groups, uh, uh, fans of uh, Gaming on the Frontier, uh, or uh, post it, uh, you know, to our uh, 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 TriTag Games at podbean.com site, or, you know, and, and, if you really like what we're saying, go to uh, iTunes and give us a hopefully five-star review. Yes. At least get the word out. Pass the word out about, you know, because we do not want to be the best-kept secret in gaming. You know, if you like what we're doing, please let everybody else know about us, and we'll be glad to uh, give you more of what we've been doing. And uh, But you'll have to wait until next week. So until then. This is Bruce Sheffer saying... There are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts. It is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.